Hello friends, good morning. Today we are talking about one quick shift that we can use to help our young musicians move in a way that is safe and manageable, but still creative and lots of fun. My name is Victoria Bowler, and this is episode 50 of Elemental Conversations. This topic came from a colleague on Instagram who is asking for just some uh, helpful strategies for helping students move in free space. When we move in music, we need to actually practice not bumping into each other. (laughs) This is an awareness of our physical surroundings that to us as the adult, it seems obvious. If If someone is coming toward me and I can tell that we are about to collide, then I will just adjust. And I would also expect that that person moving toward me is also going to adjust. And same thing with instruments, right? If I am moving around a music classroom and I see that there are barred instruments out, or uh, maybe there is a piano or there is a bulletin board, anything like that, then as I move, I am going to take care not to step on top of the barred instrument and not to trip over, um, I don't know, and crash into a set of tubanos. All of that in our brains makes a lot of sense. But what we have to be aware of is that with very young movers, this is actually a learned skill. It is a learned skill to move out of your own uh, personal awareness of where you want to move, regardless of what else is around the classroom, and move to a more broad perspective of action and reaction. So if I bump into something, it is going to knock over. If I bump into another human, that will cause harm. This learned skill is something that we get to partner with students on and help them practice. It is not something that we should necessarily expect students just to uh, come to naturally. And this is very important in things like creative movement, where we are just moving around in open space, doing whatever, uh, you know, movement noodles we are doing. But it's also really important when it comes to things like standing in line and what is the appropriate distance between myself and another person, or when we are playing on the playground, all of this stuff. And the other thing that will heighten the importance of the skill of moving in free space and open space is that if your music room is on the smaller side, or if you have instruments set up that kind of blocks out the movement area of your classroom, this will just become increasingly important. So just to explain this concept of uh, open and closed space, when we are moving in music, there are spaces that are open. It's like empty air. That is the only thing in that space. Just air. And then we also have spaces that are closed. Closed spaces are things where there is another person, there is a desk, there is a barred instrument, there is a wall. All of those are closed spaces. They're taken up with something. And one of the first movement experiences that we have inside the planning binder is moving from a self space to moving around the room in open space. So moving from stationary to locomotor. And that's where I would begin this conversation. What do you observe about stationary movement? Do you observe that students have a lot of self-control over their bodies as they are in place when they are stationary doing things like jumping or wiggling or twisting um, or swaying or anything like that? Any of these non-locomotor movements that we can do in our spots. 
when we have a lot of experience with this stationary movement, that becomes like a training ground for how we expect students to move in a locomotor setting. So if locomotor movement, if moving around the room is consistently turning into chaos, there is a lot that we can do with just stationary. If you have spent some time in Orfland with movement teachers, you are probably familiar with the book Creative Dance for All Ages, and that is by Anne Green Gilbert. This is a lot of information packed in one single resource. And just to zoom through some of these non-locomotor movements that are listed in this chapter, we have stretch, bend, twist, swing, push, pull, fall, melt, rock, sway, shake, lunge, contract, curl, and turn. And then last, we have a category of effort actions, float, glide, flick, dab, slash, punch, ring, and press. And some of those words might be familiar to you if you have studied movement or conducting under the Laban train of thought. So I share that to say that a lot of the movement exploration that we do, especially with our early movers, our young musicians, so much is available to us just with stationary non-locomotor movement. And when we observe students moving in a non-locomotor way, we get a lot of information about how much self-control they have over their physical bodies. And that can inform kind of the pacing that we offer for locomotor movement and especially movement around the classroom in open space. The songs and activities that we'll talk about later in this episode, we can absolutely start with stationary movement, with non-locomotor movement, and that is my recommendation. Something that we can do is practice the non-locomotor movement in our spots. So if we are uh, stepping or if we are driving a car, like we'll talk about later, we can do that in place first. Another really nice thing to do is to turn your fingers, take your two fingers and put them out and turn them into people and practice. Practice moving around with your fingers. That is a really nice scaffold to moving around in open space. So after all of this non-locomotor movement, all of this movement in our spots, there are a couple steps that we can take to scaffold moving around in open space. We will practice some things before the actual movement around the room. We are going to model, we are going to practice, and then we are going to reinforce. Three steps, model, practice, reinforce. When we model open space, again, this is with very young students, but it also will be very helpful if you are perhaps uh, at a new campus or you've started in the middle of the school year, or if this is just a, a concept that your older musicians are not as familiar with. When we are introducing this idea of open space, moving around in empty air, we absolutely want to find concrete examples of open space in the classroom. So this is the teacher modeling what open space is. So the teacher can walk around and students say, yep, this is open space. And then you go and you stand like up against the wall and students say, nope, that's closed space. And then you might uh, go stand right next to an instrument and students will say, nope, that's closed space. And then you take a step away from the instrument and students say open space. So it becomes kind of a game of you modeling open open and closed space. 
There are also some questions that we can ask students to get them on board with this concept. So it's not us just constantly talking at them, telling them to stay in open space. We can back up and ask, why is it important to move an open space in music class? Well, one answer is um, if we are running around crazy, then we might get in trouble. Well, that's true as well, but is there another reason? Is there a deeper reason? And eventually uh, students might identify that we can be kind musicians by keeping everyone in the classroom safe. And we can be kind musicians by respecting all of the materials that we have inside the music classroom. So beyond the uh, natural consequence of we might get in trouble, can we expand and say this is something that we do out of respect to each other, out of kindness to each other. This is something that we get to do to keep everyone safe and to keep everyone having a really fun time. Another really important point is to talk ahead of time about, because this is, this is the tension that kids feel. If I see an open space over here in one corner of the room and I start moving over to that open space, but then all of a sudden someone else moves to that open space where I was trying to go to. Now, what do I do? I had a plan to follow directions, but now that plan has been interrupted by another human in the classroom. So that's absolutely something to talk about. You will have to make a plan to look for an open space, but then if that space suddenly becomes closed by another person, you get to move. You and that other person are always looking around for empty open air to move in. So even even if you had a plan to move somewhere, you get to adjust your plan based on new information. Again, it's one of those things that seems so, so obvious, but if we don't take the time to actually spell it out, the consequence and reaction of moving around in open space with other people in the classroom, if we don't take the time to spell out the different contingencies, that is where students can get into kind of a tricky situation. Okay, so we've modeled it. Now we need to practice. Let's practice moving with the teacher and another student all in open space. And then the rest of the class, it's not a passive thing where they are just watching the teacher and this other student move around in open space. The rest of the class is going to use a steering wheel while they're seated in their spots, and they will pretend that they are moving around the room as well while they are staying in their spots. And then, you know, we practice with larger and larger groups and then eventually the whole class. With all of this, the teacher is the narrator, especially when we get to uh, like half the class or the whole class moving around. Uh, the teacher is going to narrate what they see and preferably you are going to narrate the things that you want to see. So you might have a signal for stop and go. And then when you give the stop signal, whether that be clapping or finger symbols or uh, sound on the recorder or whatever it is, when students are paused, you might say something like, oh, I am looking around the room and I see someone standing with a lot of open space around them. And they, I notice are in the back corner of the room. Oh, how interesting. And then you move around again. And then you say, oh, I see another set of students who are absolutely in open space. And I see that they are over here um, in the area of the bulletin board or whatever it is. And then uh, another nice thing is to narrate the process. Like, oh, I saw two students walking to the same spot, but then they saw each other. I noticed that their eyes were open and their heads were up and then they changed direction. Oh, wow. I bet that made it easy for everyone else to walk in 
an open space. How interesting. And you just move on like that. You are the narrator. So we've done some modeling. We have done some practice. And now we are reinforcing. Do you remember this, uh, this narration idea that we've been talking about? The teacher is just uh, talking about what they observe as students are practicing. Something to remember with this uh, reinforcement piece is that training is ongoing. Training is not, uh, the idea of open space is not something that you are going to introduce in the first lesson and then expect that for the rest of the year and for the rest of the time in music class, students will automatically recall and apply that information with all of these different situations that they find themselves in. That is absolutely unrealistic. So when we can adjust our reinforcement expectations to be that training in open space, training in movement, training in all of the things that we practice in, mu in music, that training is ongoing. A nice way to think about this is if we recall, uh, or if we can imagine someone explaining to us how to play recorder. And then I think I've used this analogy before, but um, someone explains how to play the recorder and then a week goes by and we come back and all of a sudden we can't play the recorder right? And then the person says, I can't believe you don't remember. I already told you about how to play the recorder. You are so defiant that you do not want to play recorder. You are making the choice not to play. And to us as trained musicians, we recognize, oh, it's not enough to explain to someone once how to play the recorder. They need practice again and again and again and again and again. And they need sequential opportunities to practice playing the recorder over and over and over in a lot of different settings with a lot of different fingerings, different tempo, everything like that. Our expectation for students as movers, and then from a behavior expectation standpoint as well, our expectation for students as movers must be that we have ongoing training. We have ongoing opportunities to practice moving in open space in a way that is safe and respectful and musical. So with all of that said, we've talked about some options for non-locomotor. We have talked about uh, all of the things that we can do before the activity, like modeling open space, practicing open space, and then reinforcing open space. Now let's get to some actual uh, open space activities that we can use. The first one is walk and stop. We are going to talk about highway number one. We will talk about Hey Betty Martin, down to the baker's shop, bubblegum, bubblegum, and zapatitos blancos. Walk and Stop is a song that is performed by Ella Jenkins, and it is something that we use inside the planning binder, especially with these young students and especially toward the beginning of the year. This is another example of something that you can start stationary and then move to locomotor. So starting non-locomotor and then moving around the room in open space as it is appropriate for your students. There is a lot of room in this song to make whatever adjustments to movement and stillness you need for the sake of classroom management. So let's imagine that we have moved beyond non-locomotor and now we are walking around the room in open space. I might sing, oh, well, you walk and you stop. Everyone's frozen. Oh, well, you walk and you walk and you walk and you stop. Everyone freezes. Oh, well, you walk and 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 you stop. Oh, well, you walk and you stop. 
So students are always on their toes. They don't know what I'm going to sing next. They do know that when I sing walk, they are going to walk. And when I stop singing, they will freeze. This gives me the opportunity to look around the room and just sense what kind of movement parameters do students need at what point in time. We can also do a lot of things with uh, the tempo and with the dynamics, and that can add to the sense of uh, hyping up the classroom or calming down the classroom. So I might sing, um, oh, well, you jump and 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 you stop. Oh, well, you jump and 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 you stop. Or I might say, oh, well, you glide and you stop. Oh, well, you glide and you glide and you glide and stop. Oh, well, you tiptoe and you tiptoe and you tiptoe and you stop. Okay, so you get, we could go on like this for a really, really, really long time. Uh, one of the things that I just love about this song is like you can hear all of the flexibility with movement that we have. And certainly students can come up with their own movement ideas. It doesn't, doesn't have to be the teacher coming up with everything every single time. But for the sake of classroom management and looking around the room and just reading the, uh, the data that students are giving you in the movement activity. This one is a really beautiful one to start with. Next, let's talk about highway number one. Do you remember that when we were practicing, when we were practicing and modeling and reinforcing, one of the steps that we had was for students to take their own steering wheel in their spots and pretend that they were moving around the room in open space themselves. This gives a really nice visualization of moving in a really fun way. We can extend that idea with this song, Highway Number One. This is performed by the Shenanigans. And if you just Google on YouTube, if you Google on YouTube, if you YouTube search Highway Number One, you will find this uh, movement activity. I learned about this song in my ORF Level One course, and it absolutely became a staple, like at the end of class or as in this case, a movement training activity. Let's listen to just one little piece of the song just so you get a sense of what's going on here. I travel round Australia on highway number one. I travel round Australia just to have some fun. But when I got to Sydney, I stopped to see someone. And she said, Walk, walk and run, run, run. Walk, walk and run, run, run. Walk, walk and run, run, run. Walk. Okay, so we can hear that we are traveling around to different places in Australia. And then once we get there to each location, then we are going to do some sort of movement activity. We can scaffold this by having everyone in the class doing non-locomotor movement first. Again, we are pretending to drive. So you'll have your steering wheel in front of you, pretending to drive in place. And then whatever you are stopped and asked to do, heel and toe and tap, walk, walk, run, 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 all of that happens stationary in place. And then after a while, when you sense that students are ready, that's when uh, either the whole class or half the class is going to move around the room as they travel. And then again, you stop and do the action that you're prompted to do in the recording. This is a really nice way to practice driving around in open space and then stopping. 
The next song on my list is Hey Betty Martin. This is a strategy that you can use with basically any other action song, and it's very similar to what we did with uh, Walk and Stop. As far as when the teacher is singing, you are moving, but when I stop singing, the whole class freezes all together. With Hey Betty Martin, there are endless things that we might be doing as we move in open space around the room. We could be driving, we could be skateboarding, we could be surfing, we could be flying on an airplane, lots of options here. And again, students can certainly give us ideas for how to move around the room. If we were to do the traditional walking version of this song, it might sound like, Hey Betty Martin, walking, walking. Everyone's frozen. Hey, Betty Martin, walking fine. Hey, Betty Martin, walking, walking. Hey, Betty Martin, walking fine. We might choose to tiptoe. Hey, Betty Martin, tiptoe, tiptoe. Hey, Betty Martin, tiptoe fine. Hey, Betty Martin, tiptoe, tiptoe. Hey, Betty Martin, tiptoe. So fine. So you can hear that we can change up the phrase caesuras essentially uh, so that students are not really sure when we are going to start singing and stop singing. Another piece of having the uneven phrase length and those pauses between the phrases, that's a nice place for you to give a very short observation about what you see in the classroom. So, hey, Betty Martin, tiptoe, tiptoe. Ooh, I saw someone change directions because someone was coming toward them. Hey, Betty Martin, tiptoe fine. So tying in that narration to the song. Next, let's talk about a similar song that we can use down to the baker's shop. This one is sourced from the Holy Names database, and it is down to the baker's shop, hop, hop, hop. For my mother said, buy a loaf of bread down to the baker's shop, hop, hop. Hop. And you can see where we're going from here. We can go down to the baker's shop with running or skipping or walking or skateboarding or flying or anything that students are interested in using as their pathway to the baker's shop. This is another situation where we can start by singing in a non-locomotor, so singing all in our places. And we hop when we are prompted to hop in the song and we are still for the rest of the song. So there are only movement words at the beginning of the song and at the end of the song. This makes it very convenient to move around the room in a more controlled way. So we can imagine standing still on down to the baker shop. And then if we were going to step to the baker shop, we would have uh, standing still down to the baker shop and then moving around the room. Step, 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 freeze. For the my mother said, buy a loaf of bread down to the baker shop. Again, step, 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 and you're frozen. The last two are Bubblegum Bubblegum and Zapatitos Blancos. These are both circle uh, counting out games. The first one, Bubblegum Bubblegum, is all of us are seated in a circle with our fist held out in the middle. And the person in the middle of the circle is going to keep a steady beat around the fists as they speak Bubblegum Bubblegum in a dish. How many pieces do you wish? And whoever we land on might choose they want to have six pieces of bubblegum. Okay, fun. Here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six. And then that sixth person would be out. 
The connection here is that we are going to blow a bubble as big as we can. And then guess what we're going to do? We are going to step and put our body inside the bubble. And then we could even practice looking at the top of our bubble. Let's look around at the sides of the bubble. Oh, let's all reach down and touch where the bubble hits our shoes underneath our feet. Wow. Okay. So now we have this bubble and then we can speak as we move around the room in our bubble. Now be very, very careful because because we are not popping our bubble. We need to stay far enough away from everyone so that everyone's bubble can be used in this activity. And then we walk around bubble gum, bubble gum in a dish. How many pieces do you wish? The other game that is similar to this is Zapatitos Blancos. For this, we will have our shoes out, our little shoes uh, out in front of us. And the person in the middle, instead of hitting our fist, is going to hit the top of our shoes. Zapatitos Blancos, Zapatito Azul. Dime, ¿cuántos años tienes tú? And however old that child is, they will say, uh, maybe I am five years old. And we say, great, one, two, three, four, five. Or uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco. And then that person is out. An extension of this is for us to make our little shoes tiptoe and step around the room in open space. The teacher is going to either clap or play a pattern on rhythm sticks or maybe play a different uh, rhythm set on barred instruments or recorder, does not matter. But you are going to give some combination of long and short sounds that students will copy with tiptoes and steps. One of the nice things about this uh, avenue of moving in open space is that you can choose, depending on what students are ready for, you might choose to make that pattern four beats or you could extend it to eight beats. So if I clap to you, step, tiptoe, tiptoe, step, tiptoe, step, tiptoe, step. That is a very fun way to move around the room in open space. And then the extension from that is instead of asking students to copy what my pattern is, I can ask them to come up with their own combination with their own little shoes of tiptoe and step. So the only thing they may not do is copy me. Instead, they are making up their own combinations of long and short sounds as we move around the room. All right, friends, we have talked a lot about a very detailed <laughs> topic, but it's one uh, small piece of a movement parameter that makes a really big difference to all of the other movement activities that we do inside the classroom. Not all of these steps are absolutely necessary to go through every single time, right? So we don't need to model and reinforce and uh, practice, model and practice and reinforce every single time. But if we notice that an activity has gone south <laughs> or that things are a little bit too chaotic, more chaotic than is fun, <laughs> then now we know how to back up. And as we are working on this reinforcement piece where students, we understand, need lots of opportunities to practice this concept in new situations, these are all ways that we can still make it fun and musical and make it a joyful experience as we practice this concept of moving in music in open space. <laughs> <laughs> 